All right, so we've been talking about love. And last week we talked about how love covers a multitude of sins. And this week we're going to talk about how love forgives. And turn with me, if you have your Bibles with you, to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And we have this in the Amplified Classic Edition. We have the screen there and it says, Love endures long and is patient and kind. Love never is envious nor boils over with jealousy, is not boastful or vainglorious, does not display itself haughtily. It is not conceited, arrogant, and inflated with pride. It is not rude, unmannerly, and does not act unbecomingly. For love, God's love in us, does not insist on its own right or its own way, for it is not self-seeking. It is not touchy or fretful or resentful. It takes no account of the evil done to it. It pays no attention to a suffered wrong. It does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness, but rejoices when right and truth prevail. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes, is ever ready to believe the best of every person. Its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances, and it endures everything without weakening. Love never fails. Sometimes it's good to wake up in the morning to confess that over yourself with the love of God. And I know I do that quite often, just to remind myself, I'm not touchy or fretful or resentful. But what I really want to focus on today is that it takes no account of the evil done to it. It pays no attention to a suffered wrong. So love is the condition of our heart from which we operate in forgiveness. A characteristic of the love of God is that it takes no account of the evil done to it. Now, I'm not sure about you guys, but I know um, there will be times in my life where I'm tempted to just, you want to just think about all of the wrongs that have been done to you over your life. Am I the only one who's ever experienced that? We just want to think about how hurt you have been and how justified you are in that hurt. You think about it and you meditate on it. Have you ever experienced that it's not very beneficial? I've experienced that many times. It does not really help me in any way. If anything, gets me more angry, gets me more bitter, and it's not exactly um, the way that love operates at all. But I love how it says in the Amplified, it takes no account of the evil done to it. So that means that the love of God that has been shed abroad in our heart doesn't just sit there and think about how hurt we have been or the offenses that we have experienced. That's not what love does. Amen? Love does not do that. And so to talk about forgiveness today, to, if you actually look up the word in the Greek, what forgive means, it means to forsake, it means to lay aside, let alone, let be, to send away, and it's to forgive, it's to, it's to forgive a debt that is owed. So we're going to look at that in uh, Matthew chapter 18. And this is a parable that Jesus told about the unforgiving servant. And in Matthew chapter 18 and verse 21, it says, Then Peter came to him, came to Jesus, and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? And in the Jewish culture, many of the times they'd say about three times was like the common thing, was a good thing if you gave, forgave them three times. So Peter, trying to justify himself, says, up to seven times? Look how good I'm doing. Seven times in a day, I'm really, I'm really good. But Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven meaning that innumerable times. It says, Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. 
And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And basically, in our day, that translates to about $6 billion. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had, and that payment be made. So that's, again, that's the Jewish culture. That's how they, were, how they would operate. If you couldn't pay a debt, you basically, you sold your wife, you sold your children until that debt was paid. And this man owned $6 billion. That is a debt that cannot be paid. It says, the servant therefore fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. That's a, a, a promise that you couldn't keep. I will pay you all. I'll pay $6 billion. It says, then the master of that servant was moved with compassion and released him and forgave him the debt. And that's, a, that's an example of the father with us. That is a debt that we couldn't pay, but the father had compassion on us and forgave us this debt. I am so thankful for the love of God that he forgave us this debt. And it says in verse 28, but that servant, that same servant who was just forgiven this massive debt of $6 billion, went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 denarii, which is about $12,000. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, pay me what you owe. I find that amazing that this guy was just forgiven $6 billion. And then he goes and finds his fellow servant, a fellow brother, and says, you owe me this much money. Pay me what you owe. What does that look like to you? Has he actually experienced the kindness and the forgiveness of his master? It hasn't really hit him how much he was forgiven. The fact that he goes and he lays his hands on him and takes him by the throat and shakes him. Pay me what you owe. Pay me what you owe. You owe me. You owe me. You owe me. And how often, that's what it looks like in the natural and in our flesh where we always feel like, you owe me. You owe me. You did this to me. You owe me. And this was the servant. This is what he did to his fellow servant. Pay me what you owe. And what does his fellow servant do? This, this servant said the exact same words that he said to his master. He says, so his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. These are the exact words that this same man said to the master who, when he owed $6 billion. These are exactly the same words. And in verse 30, he says, and he would not. He would not forgive him the debt. But he went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, so the master, this master had other servants, and they saw how this man treated his fellow servant, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he had called them, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had compassion on you? And his master his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. So my heavenly father will also do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. And I understand that sometimes when we read that statement, we don't fully understand what it means. Like it, it sounds harsh that like God wouldn't forgive us our trespasses if we don't forgive. What this is saying here is that if we don't forgive our brothers, we won't live in the freedom 
that God has made available to us in his forgiveness. If we don't forgive our brothers, we won't live in the freedom that God has made available to us in his forgiveness. This man who would not forgive, he was delivered up to the torturers. Have you ever experienced, like, if you don't, if you hold on to a grudge or you hold on to bitterness, it is like torture living in it, isn't it? It is awful. It takes you over. It's all you can think about. It absolutely consumes you because you constantly are reminded that person owes me something. My life has been taken away. Things are not where it should be. I am not where I should be because of this person. And they wake up and that's all they think about. I mean, and this man, I mean, $12,000 is still a considerable amount of debt. So it's not like when people do stuff to us, I mean, yeah, things happen to us in our life because we live in a fallen world. People are people and people are going to hurt us. But we have been greatly forgiven. Therefore, we can greatly forgive. God has demonstrated his love towards us, but not holding our trespasses and sins against us. And I am so thankful for that. Because imagine, what if God looked at you and he thought about everything you ever did wrong all the time, and he constantly brought it up? Who would want to, want to go and approach a God like that, who constantly brought up your sins and your trespasses and your past? That would be terrible. But in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19, if we can get that up on the screen... It says, God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. There's some big words in there. But the word imputing, it actually means to count, to take account, calculate, and count over. So what is that saying? It's saying that, that God, God the Father, was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself not counting our sins and our trespasses against us. That's what God was doing in Christ. Jesus was on the earth showing and demonstrating the heart of the Father, saying, my Father is extending his love toward you. He is extending compassion to you and forgiveness to you. What did Jesus say on the cross? If you can turn to Luke 23 and verse 34. And the, Jesus is on the cross in the worst imaginable excruciating pain you can probably even think of after being whipped, crucified, nailed to the cross. And he's about to go to hell for us. And what does he say? He says, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. Father, forgive. Forgive them. That means lay aside, let alone descend away forgive them because they don't know what they do. That is the compassion of Jesus. That is strength in action right there. Sometimes people get mixed up with like love. They kind of think that it's like almost weak sometimes because, you know, sometimes they think that it's like a doormat. People can just walk all over them because, oh, you know, we love people. But this is seriously, this is strength in action. The love of God is strong because Jesus could have just called. He could have called on legions of angels and it, with one word, and they would have been there to take him off that cross. But Jesus, because he thought about us, he saw us, he wanted our salvation. He had compassion on us, and he just held his tongue. And what did he say? He just said, Father, forgive them. 
That is the demonstration of his love toward us. And then in John 13, 34, I'll turn there as well. So it says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you. That you also love one another. So Jesus said, this, this is the new commandment, that this is the commandment of the church. In the Old Testament, it said, we all, they also have the commandment to love, but it was love your neighbor as yourself. That was the old covenant commandment. The new commandment as a church, that is us. This is his commandment to us. Love one another as I have loved you. So Jesus, God, it was being in Christ, not counting the world's sins against us. That means we love the same way that Jesus loves. We have been given the love of God that's been poured out in our hearts so we can love like this. That means that we can forgive. We are enabled to forgive. We are empowered to forgive the same way Jesus has forgiven us. In um, 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12, 12 to 14, I mean, you can see this kind of love in action. In uh, the past of Paul, Paul's past here, he kind of describes it a little bit. He says, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. And then he says, although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love, which are in Christ Jesus. So this is the love of God in action. What if God counted Paul's sins against him? Would Paul be the apostle that he was? If God constantly reminded Paul, well, Paul, you know, you persecuted my church. You blasphemed me in my own name, thinking that you were doing me a favor. You killed my church. You killed my disciples. Stephen was the first martyr. Paul was the one who was, at the time, Saul, was the one who watched Stephen be killed by stoning, and Paul approved it. But because of the love of God, he does not count those trespasses and those sins against him. And what did that do? That absolutely restored Paul and brought him up to another level that God had called him to be. And that's what forgiveness does, is that it brings and it restores that person to where God has called them to be. And look at what Paul, look what happened through the life and the ministry of Paul. The world was changed because God forgave him and because God did not count those trespasses against him. And that's the amazing thing is that the love of God has been poured out on our hearts so that when people do us wrong and people owe us a debt, we can forgive. And what does it do? It restores people to another level because we want what's best for them. That's the love of God. We want to see them succeed. We want to see them excel. We want to see them be who all God has called them to be. But that doesn't come naturally. That is a, not a natural kind of love that can only happen by the love of God that has been poured out in our hearts. But this is what I want to see. This is what, when I look out in the world and I see people in grocery stores or wherever, I'm just thinking, man, have you, have you experienced the love of God? Do you know how much you are loved by God, that God was in Christ not, not counting your sins against you? And that's why when we come in contact with people, we simply, we just forgive. Sometimes I go into, like, before I start driving, I just, in my heart, I make the decision to forgive before I start driving. 
just so that when I'm driving, I don't really have those like anger issues. You're just like, no, I forgive. Because you'll be amazed if you just watch yourself on a day-to-day basis, how quickly you'll get angry if you don't just, no, the love of God has been shed abroad in my heart. Even when someone like cuts in front of you in a lineup or something like that, you know what? But love prefers the other person. You know what? Go ahead. You go ahead. You, you're, you know, I esteem you better than myself. You go. You get the better coffee this morning. Sometimes I check that with our levels of coffee, see which one's more full. And it, sacrificially, I give you the more full one. <laughs> so that's love in action. <laughs> I'm boasting about it. Yeah, well, just want to demonstrate. It's a mirror of example. The love of God takes no account of the, of the evil done to it because that's where restoration, healing, and freedom is found. So in Luke chapter 15, which Jane read for us, that parable. Just taking the time to meditate on this parable. Lots of times people associate with the prodigal son. And we've all been there at some point in our lives and we've come back to God or we've come to God for the first time and we're so thankful for the forgiveness we've experienced. But as a church, I want us to identify with the Father because what I believe that God is working in our hearts is as we are learning about forgiveness and how to forgive and to operate in the love of God, that there are families here, there are relationships here that will be restored. And I really believe that this morning because it, just that's who God is and that's what he does and that's why it's on our hearts right now to talk about the love of God because he's bringing us to another level and it starts with us walking in love I mean I know people want to talk about well let's talk about the gifts of the spirit and let's talk about healing let's talk about blessing and all those things yeah that's great but it starts with the love of God it starts with the love of God so in Luke chapter 15 it says a certain man had two sons this is verse 12 And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of good that falls to me. So in the Jewish culture, for a son to go to his father and to ask for his inheritance before the father's passing or before the father dies is extremely dishonoring and extremely disrespectful. So the fact that he even asked his father, said, give me what, I want my inheritance, give it to me. And so the father divided to them his livelihood. And not many days later, the younger son gathered all together. So basically what the son would have done is he would have sold the cattle and sold the possessions because that's what they had. They had cattle and sheep and farm stuff. And he would have sold it. And he, he journeyed to a far country. And there he wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in the land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country and sent him into his fields to feed swine. Again, for the Jews, that is the lowest thing, because Jews and pigs, that's not a thing. They do not get along. It's part of, it's their, pigs were unclean, according to the law. And so for him, his job to feed swine, that is like the lowest you could go. And it says in verse 16, he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger. 
I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. Now, I love this part. It says, but when he was still a great way off, his father saw him. That means the father was looking for him. The father wasn't just sitting by, just like thinking about how awful his son was. The father wasn't counting what his son did to him against him. The father forgave his son before his son ever came back because he was looking for him. I could just see him, if you just like take the time to think about what that would have looked like. You know, he'd wake up, he's like, maybe today, maybe today my son's coming back. Could be today. And he's like looking out there, looking through the fields, looking through all there. He's like, do I see him? Oh, I don't see him yet. And he's thinking about what it will be like when his son comes back. He's thinking, what robe should I give him? What's, the, what's his best color, color wheel? What would look good on him? Which robe? And what ring? He'll need a ring. And we'll need a party. We'll need a party when he comes back. And we've got to kill that really fat calf over there. We've got to kill that thing because, you know, we're going to have a huge party when he comes back. That's what he was thinking about. That's the love of God. That is forgiveness in action. He was looking for him, waiting for him to come back. And it says, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. That means the father like ran out of his house and ran towards him. And again, in those Jewish culture days, to, for an, um, a grown man to run was not exactly appropriate. So it was, even the fact that he did that, that he ran, he was just looking for his son. He just wanted his son. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father didn't even pay attention to what his son just said. He's the more thinking, my son's back, my son's back, finally, get that robe, get that ring. We're gonna have a party, he's finally back. And he says, put a ring, or get the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his hand, sandals on his feet, and bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this, this my son, he calls him this my son. This is my son. He did not disown him. He did not say, you owe me. He did not go to his son and say to him, I gave you my inheritance and you wasted it and you expect to come back here and be my son? I don't think so. He didn't say that to him, did he? He did not count his sins against him. Before his son even came back, he forgave. He forgave before his son even thought about coming back and he already knew what he was going to do. Because what if the father held those trespasses against him? that relationship between father and son would have been severed. I mean, what if the father would like let him come back and say, well, okay, yeah, you can come back, but you know, you owe me and you're going to be my servant here. If you just remained as that servant, he would have been reminded day in and day out of the sin that he committed against his father. And he would have never rose to the higher position of a son that he was supposed to be. He would have remained that servant, and that's all he would have been, and he would have been reminded day in and day out, this is all I ever, ever will be because of what I did. And he would live in guilt. He would live in condemnation. And how often do we see that happen in the world? And with natural love, people will just hold that against them and say, you owe me. You did this to me. You owe me. You owe me. You owe me. And what does that do? It severs relationships. 
It kills and it separates families and friendships, coworkers, job opportunities, because people think, well, you owe me something. I gave you the best years of my life and this is how you treat me? I'm not where I am today. I could be further ahead if it wasn't for you. And that's what people think. But the love of God does not do that. The love of God does not hold sins against other people. It takes no account of the evil done to it. It pays no attention to a suffered wrong. Why? Because they, the true love of God wants to see people rise up to where they belong. And this son, he says, my son was once dead, but is alive. He once was lost, but he is found. This is my son, and he will always be my son. He is in my family. He belongs here. I love that. That's the, that's the love of God. Forgiveness is an act of love because it is for the best interest of the other person. The last point that I want to make says, because we have the love of God shed abroad in our heart, we are then enabled to forgive. Because this kind of love does not come naturally. It is not something that we can just kind of feel ourselves into or try to talk ourselves into. Because you know what? We have an, an enemy out there who's going to also want to bring up what people have done. He's going to want to remind people constantly of how, what was done to them and hold it against them. And in Mark 11, verse 25, it says, Jesus is speaking. He says, whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him, that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. Forgiveness is a choice. It is not a feeling. It is a choice. It is a, a, it's a decision. And I understand that it is not easy because those feelings are very real. And what someone may have done to you can be extremely hurtful beyond. And there are, there are real things in this world where people have done things to other people and it has crippled them and has hurt them. But one thing that Jesus did when he was on the cross, and I don't have this for you guys, but I'll just pull it up. Um, it says in 1 Peter 2, First Peter 2, verse 23, I think it is. It says, when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but he committed himself to him who judges righteously. When Jesus was on the cross and he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. We, we owed God a lot, a debt we could not pay. But Jesus, he entrusted himself because of what the, um, what the Roman guards, what they did to him, what the Pharisees, what the Jews did to him. He could have e easily said, you guys owe me. You guys did this to me. I need, I need justice. I need justice. But what did he do? He entrusted himself to him who judges righteously. You know, God 
people, people cannot, won't make it up to you because no matter how much justice you think you can get, that hurt will still be there and you always will have that mind, that mentality of, well, you still owe me something because I'm not where I'm supposed to be because of what you did to me. But when you entrust yourself to God, he will make it up to you. Only God can do that though. And when you forgive, it allows God the opportunity, the, the access into your life so that he can bring everything up. And in my own life, as you, some of you guys may know, but my husband left me about three years ago. And again, it was something that was just beyond, I never, I never knew like that was gonna happen. And it hurt, it hurt so bad when he left. And um, I had to learn to forgive, to learn to let it go. And something that helped me so much, and I'm so thankful that God, it was, it's the mercy of God. And because I had this dream, and I'm not saying like we don't, we don't seek for dreams, we don't seek for things, we, seek, we look to God in his word. But in this dream, I knew this was from the Lord because when I woke up, I had the interpretation of what that meant. And in this dream, I got a message from um, my husband and I turned to my parents and I read this text out loud to them. And I said to them, I said, he's just being so cruel and I'm on the journey of hating him. And when I said that, I felt this just evil, dark presence come over me and it felt like I was, my hands were locked in. And you know when, like, when you're in a nightmare and it's just like, like fear and it's just, um, it's just, it's evil. It was evil and it, it felt like my hands were locked like this and it kind of felt like I was in a straight jacket. And then I immediately woke up and I was like, oh, I'm so glad that was just a dream. But in my heart, I said to the Lord, I said, I choose to forgive no matter what happens. And it was about three days later, I got a text from him. I read this text to my parents. And then my mom said, man, he's just being so cruel. And that word cruel is what triggered, reminded me of, what, of that dream. I was like, yeah, I said, that's, that, that's the dream that I had. And immediately, I could just feel hatred just knocking, saying, like, he did this to you. He owes you. You know, your life would be better if he didn't do this to you. You could be further ahead if he didn't do this to you. He owes you. And that, that, those thoughts were there. They were very real. But then I thought of Stephen, the first martyr. And Stephen, when, as he was being stoned for proclaiming Jesus, he's being stoned. And what does he say? He says the same words that Jesus said. He said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. And when Stephen said that, Paul, Saul at the time, was right there, and he saw it happen. And I, I personally believe that because of what Stephen said, when Stephen said, forgive them, that would have impacted Saul. Because it'd be like, he's watching this guy get stoned to death, and this guy says, forgive them? Like, that's also, just, that goes against everything we've ever experienced naturally. And that would have impacted him. And that's what, like, in my own heart, like, just, Father, forgive. I choose to forgive. I do not hold that against him. Because what I want, I want the love of God to bring him where he's called him to be. You know, and I haven't seen him really since, but you know what? That doesn't matter. I just know, and thankfully, when you forgive, it also keeps your heart right before God. 
right? Because just like we read from uh, the parable with the unforgiving servant, right? He was delivered to the torturers because he wouldn't let go of that debt. In that same way, how I felt like I was locked in when I said I was on the journey of hating him. That is the same, it's the same thing. You're locked in your own unwillingness to forgive. But when you forgive, man, you're, you yourself are set free. And then you also give that person a chance then to rise up to who God has called them to be. And that's what we want to see. That is the victory. So stand up right where you are. There is such victory here today. And it's a choice. It is not a feeling. You are not going to feel like forgiving that person. And I have to tell you, like it's been three years and every single day, I still, those thoughts will still come. They will still come and say, he, he did this to you. You don't deserve that kind of treatment. All those thoughts will come and you try to justify yourself. But you know what? You have to speak the word of God. And you say, what helped, me is, what helped me was that I would say, I have been greatly forgiven, therefore I can greatly forgive. And Jesus said to bless your enemies, to bless them. And so what's the next thing? I just, I pray for him. And I pray that God would bring him to where, where God has called him to be, that his life would impact the people he is called to impact. And that's what we want to do. So if there is someone, right, everyone just close your eyes right where you are. And just check in your own heart. Have you forgiven? Have you let go of what that person did to you? Let go of that self-pity. To let go of, you know, they owe me, they owe me. Because you know what? No one owes us anything. We've been greatly forgiven. Therefore, we can greatly forgive. And God will make it up to you. I have experienced that over and over again. God will make it up to you. Entrust yourself to him who judges righteously. So now we're going to sing. Um, we'll sing uh, Great Are You, Lord, the third song. Um, and just check in your heart and just ask the Lord, Lord, if, if there's anyone in my life that I have not truly forgiven, forgiven from my heart, help me to see it and help me to let it go. Let it go. And this morning, as we let it go, you know, there are families restored, just like the son came running back to his father and the father came running to his son. You know what? Because you have forgiven, there's open opportunities. There's open doors for relationships to be restored, friendships to be restored.